Hello everyone, this is Nick, and welcome back to the Depths of Music podcast, the show that got thrown completely out of whack of the nice calendar I made, because Kanye didn't drop the album this week like I thought he would. So, uh, joke's on me for having faith in Kanye West's release schedule. Regardless, that's a, that's a topic for another day, uh, if I have the time to cover Donda when it comes out. Yeah, that's that, that was the predicament I was going through this week. Uh, today we are scraping back through my childhood as we continue our little Nightcore retrospective. Uh, it's still, like, the second most viewed video or podcast episode to date. Maybe it's because that was an early episode, or maybe you guys just really liked it. I don't know. I like kind of going back down memory lane sometimes, going back through these songs that I don't really hear talked about very much. So I'm enjoying this series and... Well, we don't know. Maybe it'll continue, maybe it won't. Now, Nightcore was my early teens and tweens, so I have a lot to say with my oh-so-pretentious critical lens about some of the songs that shaped me years ago. But, before we start that, I've got some announcements to make. First of all, we're finally on Apple Podcasts. I've been waiting for this for a while. Apparently, their pending process was a little more complicated than some of the other ones, but... That's basically the last major platform we needed to hit for this show. Uh, we are on Google Play, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple. So whenever people, you know, say, hey, that podcast you were telling me about that's oh so perfect and oh so amazing, uh, where can I listen to it? Pretty much everywhere. And there's a bunch of other minor platforms. All of that is in the link tree in the bio of the Instagram page for the podcast. Uh and one more kind of thing that I want to say before we start is that I want to make it clear because we're, we're going to get into some weeds of songs here that I, I don't particularly like. So I want to make it clear that I have no problem with anyone enjoying or listening to Nightcore or any of these songs. Lots of these songs are, you know, not that bad. And just because I make generalizations on the audiences of certain songs or of Nightcore or something in general, that doesn't mean that's reflective of everyone. And we can all have our opinions. I'm just sharing mine and it it might get a little harsh in here. So with that out of the way, which I'm sure I will repeat again, uh, let's just begin our trip down memory lane as we continue our deep dive into Nightcore. So, like always, we were sorting by view count. So, I literally went and typed uh, Nightcore into YouTube, went by view count, and sorted them. Last episode, we covered the first five, the five most viewed Nightcore videos. Next, we're just going to keep going down the list, six through ten. The first song is Demons by Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons, oh, Imagine Dragons. Uh, the new Nickelback, as the internet likes to call them, uh, which is certainly a reputation. Imagine Dragons is a band that has earned a reputation of ire amongst pretentious music snobs for making what most people describe as extremely overblown, overly vague, and substanceless songs. It's like the equivalent of like blowing just the whole tube of whipped cream in your mouth. That's a stance that... In theory, in a lot of ways, I have grown to agree with. The issue is that Demons, like a lot of their other big hits, were instrumental in my childhood. I loved this Nightcore version. I loved this song. 
I loved a lot of the Imagine Dragon songs. Radioactive, I'm on top of the world, Believer. There's a lot of Imagine Dragon songs that really were huge in my childhood. As a preteen, I joined a lo- I enjoyed a lot of songs by bands that people don't like, Imagine Dragons and Maroon 5, but why? Well, because Imagine Dragons is what I wanted at the time of a, being a young teenager. A song that felt really deep and meaningful despite its vagueness. The idea of not letting demons in that this song talks about is pretty much the oldest trick in the lyrical book. This particular Nightcore version is, however, pretty diff- a pretty different version than the original. The original is this really, it's a slower song by Imagine Dragon's standpoint, but still, being their trademark thing, it's very overblown in the chorus. It kind of builds, 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 and then crescendos into this chorus. Um, this is not that as much. There's a lot of electronics that drive the original. This Nightcore version is a piano duet. And the runs and the chords on the piano give a certain cinematic quality that is very in line with the spirit of the band and the Nightcore style. Those whole big, dramatic songs are something that we're going to see a lot more on this list than we've already seen previously. Lots of the biggest Nightcore hits hints are very kind of similar songs. They're big, they're anthemic, and they're kind of vague and easy to relate to. It hits on an emotional level to young teenagers who want to express their feelings through music, and this gives a very broad and simple outlet for a very common feeling. This is very much in line with other dramatic songs we've covered in the past, and to be fair, relating to big, vague songs is not wrong. You don't need to only angst out to prog rock and 1754 time signatures and weird instrumentation to have valid feelings. Personally, I enjoy a little more layers to songs. When you relate to something, it's good when it hits you really on a personal level and just these big overgeneralizations and vague statements don't do it for me. Um, so after that and kind of that opinion shifting is when the song kind of falls out of favor. And the Nightcore version actually amps this up for me, because when the vocals are pitched up, even though the two singers are male, the high part a lot of times in the Nightcore version is interpreted as feminine. Actually, because I'd only heard the duet in the Nightcore version, when I listened to the original, I was actually surprised to see there was two dudes because one of the guys sings higher, one of them sings lower. And this kind of adds this connection to the emotional turmoil of teenage years and how it impacts relationships. This duet version makes it easier for you to relate this to the specific situation of being in a teenage relationship and not letting the struggles that come with teenage years emotionally bog down a relationship and trouble each other. So that gives it a little more specificity that I don't think the Nightcore version really intended to have, or the original doesn't really have, Uh, but it's still kind of interesting nonetheless. On the lyrical side of things, Demons is actually inspired by a real tragic event. Demons actually kind of surprised me, because this is something you can't really tell by reading the song's lyrics, but just looking back on it, uh, if you do a little research, uh, the song is inspired by a fan named Tyler Robinson, who got to know the band before passing away of cancer. And he was a big Imagine Dragons fan, kind of got to bond with 
the band, and they, after his passing, even helped support his family in making the Tyler Robinson Foundation, and they made a real genuine connection there. Imagine Dragons married that story of this boy's struggle with cancer to the general theme of inner demons, kind of comparing the whole, like, you know, this kid may have seen, seemed like okay on the outside, but in on the inside, he's fighting this really hard battle, and how people can seem okay on the outside, but on the inside, they're fighting these really hard battles. Um, and in my opinion, I feel like there is a much better tribute song somewhere deeper in this. Somewhere in this, along the line, there's probably a better tribute song here. To me, I think they, they take this inspiration, which is a very real and very tragic event and can make for a very moving song, and they just overgeneralize it and overblow it for just... That's just kind of what Imagine Dragons does, and I think that really kind of muffles the impact this song has. Um, an example of this being done well is the song Cancer by My Chemical Romance. It's off their album The Black Parade, which tells the story of a cancer patient coming to terms with his own fleeting mortality. While also being a stripped-back ballad, like how Demons is a stripped-back ballad compared to the rest of the Imagine Dragons discography, Cancer is a short and lyrically brutal song with horrifying lyrics about the effects of the disease and the desperation and the pain that comes with it. It's a moving and really emotional song because of how Gerard's singing and the sparse instrumentation really kind of grab you and really make the rest of the song like feel real and does a really good job of painting this terrifying picture in your mind. Imagine Dragons took a story that in my opinion could have had that kind of impact, like a real story. MCR was just kind of making up a concept it wasn't as inspired by a real person. Imagine Dragons had a real story that could have really had that kind of impact uh, regardless of whether they went for like the horrifying, tragic version, or if they went for the peaceful, remorseful version, or what not they wanted to do with this, but that story could have had the impact of something like cancer, but they diluted it down with an overbearing chorus and their kind of non-specific lyrics. While I understand they may not want to air the painful situation in all of its tragic details, obviously, you know, sometimes you have bands and albums and songs that are a little too personal and a little too uncomfortable for the people that are being written about. That was even a criticism thrown in the way of the very first album we reviewed on this podcast, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, still, I feel disappointed that this could have been a way better tribute song if taken in a different direction. Now, the duet is done by a, a, a vocalist named Max Schneider and our friend from the last episode, Sam Suey, uh, and I think the cover is an improvement over the original. The version strength, the cover, is not the booming chorus and the giant production behind it. It's the emotion and the pure talent of Max and Sam. They both sing extremely well and with a lot more expression and passion than the original. The piano-based instrumental feels just as 
big as the original, but because of the legwork of the vocals and the just great piano arrangements, writing, and playing, it feels like it's kind of earned it more. It feels like a more natural build. Simply put, Sam and Max version of Demons is better than the original, but to the core of the song, it will always kind of be held back by a lackluster set of lyrics. And I know I've rambled on about Imagine Dragons a decent bit, and I'm sure I will get to repeat this all over again soon, because, well, for somebody who was into Nightcore at the time, who was listening to that kind of music at the time, my gut tells me it won't be long before we're seeing them again. Next song we have up is Marina and the Diamonds, How to Be a Heartbreaker. Uh, this is the first song on this podcast that I have literally never heard before this episode. Well, not podcast in general, but in this Nightcore series, you know what I mean. Uh, How to Be a Heartbreaker, like most of the Nightcore songs, is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a song where Marina literally lists, like Dua Lipa style, lists us her rules on how to play men and use them. It's kind of toxic behavior, but it's pretty par for the course musically, both with men and women. The song has a good groove and some pretty nice guitar lines. Overall, it's pretty simple, electronic-infused pop songs, pretty common for the time. Uh, Marina is a Welsh singer-songwriter who mostly found success in Europe, probably why an ignorant American pleb had no idea uh, who she is. She released an album this year, actually, in fact, and has toured in the past with Katy Perry and Coldplay. Uh, she still seems to be relatively well-known today, just maybe not as much so in the States, with only having a few crossover hits, including this one. An interesting detail is on how the artists on the Nightcore video is relisted as Marina and the Diamonds, like I said when I started this segment. Well, even though the original music video now has been changed to read just Marina, in all caps, due to, I guess, the Diamonds leaving or the band splitting up. The music video for the song is filled with shirtless men fawning over Marina in the same way that scantily clad women surround the male rock stars and rappers today. Marina's whole player bit is something that seems a little ahead of its time, to be completely honest, lyrically, as that kind of has become more popular with a lot of like female rappers today. Think like Megan the Stallion and kind of her kind of M.O., I doubt that Marina was a huge influence to all these, but she certainly, I feel like, is on to something really early in the grand scheme of things. Overall, though, How to Be a Heartbreaker is a fun and catchy pop tune. Nothing crazy, but certainly not the worst song we've heard either. Next up is Thousand Foot Kirch's Courtesy Call. And if I had to pick one Nightcore song that was my favorite of all time, or one that defined that period of my life, this would probably be it. I will definitely be attempting to take off those rose-tinted glasses as we dive into this one. But in a lot of ways, Courtesy Call falls in the same category as Demons, Centuries, Angels with Shotgun, etc, etc, etc. Very big, booming, and anthemic. There's a lot of echoed and huge vocals that carry really big melodies and a generous helping of strings all over this thing, you know, if the cinematicness wasn't obvious enough. Courtesy Call succeeds where Demons fails, because to be blunt, pretty much every song of this, every part of this song is catchy. The song is one of the heaviest we've seen so far. I mean, these guitars are in drop 
B tuning, an extremely low guitar tuning that allows for a much more haunting sound. This is coupled with booming drums, meaning the song not only has hooks, but also has unique depth of instrumentation that a lot of these other songs do not. This helps carry these melodies that like every part of it, the opening, the verse, the bridge, the chorus, every single part of it will get stuck in your head. This is an extremely sticky song, at least for me, for somebody who's known this song for ages and ages and ages. Rhythmically, you know, musically, I said, you know, there's all this weird tunings and kind of some different things from most Nightcore songs, but to be honest, it's not a super complicated song. I mean, rhythmically, this is about as simple as it gets, as it kind of leans a little bit towards metal, you know, kind of explains why in hindsight maybe I gravitated for, towards it. Lyrically uh, is where this song kind of shocked me. Once again, these are very vaguely uh, lyrics. The cor chorus shouts a last warning, a courtesy call to the listener that something is evil is coming and they must be ready to rise. It's how I took the song when I was younger, kind of just a battle anthem for whatever in general, some danger coming on. And that's, that's how a lot of people use the song. But uh, this kind of anthemic... Writing fits very well, obviously, with our established Nightcore style, but when you take a closer look at the band, as something I had not done before this episode, because I had no idea who this band even was, or anything else they do, you will discover uh, something that kind of explains it all, and that is that Thousand Foot Kirch is a Christian metal band. Uh, this is very similar to another band I feel we will soon see eventually in this series, Skillet. Uh, their shared love of down to guitars and epic lyrics about heroes and battles and demons all kind of framed under the lens of faith. I think that a Christian band is actually, uh, I think for a Christian band, this is actually a pretty good approach. Any band or art form tied heavily to a belief system, whether it be religious, political, etc., will always run the risk of not being able to find success outside of that circle, outside of that belief. The idea of listening to music that is essentially focused on one specific thing that they might not agree with is a turnoff to a lot of people. And to some acts, I'm sure to them there's nothing wrong with that. They're okay to stay in whatever ideal circle they base their art around. That's the people they like, agree with, and want to be around. That's okay. But to other acts who want to spread their message to other, this is a little harder. That's why a lot of political or religious messaging in media and in songs is hidden, to get an audience to be accepting of the ideas without really noticing it or confronting it face on. While this isn't something I think is always wrong, and as I've hopefully made clear, not exclusive to one group or people or ideology. It's not exclusive to Christianity in any way. Thousand Foot Kirch do this by using hard rock and metal to convey Christian ideas to the general public while not dropping the word God every two sentences. All this to say, the thing uh, that Kirch is warning you about in this song, the courtesy call they're giving you, is about Revelations. Revelations, to those of you who do not know, is the final chapter in the Christian Bible, part of the New Testament that describes the end of the world and the apocalypse. According to the Bible, the day of reckoning comes and Jesus and his will raise his followers, the good Christians, to heaven and save them from the earth's destruction. The warning Kirch is giving you, essentially, is to fix your sinful ways and prepare for Christ's return by being a good Christian. When you reread the lyrics with this in mind, 
it does make a bit of, it definitely kind of, you know, can definitely be read that way. They still masked it well enough for me to know every lyric of the song for years and not really catch that until, like, literally last night. Still, taking out the kind of interesting deeper undertones, Courtesy Call is another big and kind of vague nightcore anthem. You know, there is that specific meaning to it, but unless you really do the research, it's not really clear. The main difference to me between this and some of the other songs I may have liked a little bit less is I like the harder instrumentation and the catchiness that make it stand above its peers. It's not a great song, and maybe it's the 11-year-old and me talking, but this is certainly, you know, there's certainly worse examples of songs in this vein. Uh, speaking of songs in this vein, uh, Star Sets, uh, My Demons, not to be confused with Demons by Imagine Dragons, which we talked about, like, literally at the top of this episode, is the next song on our list. Another epic banger for the list, this is becoming kind of a pattern, My Demon is more of an electronic piece than a lot of what we've seen so far, like Courtesy Call or Angel with a Shotgun. Uh, it starts off with the number one hallmark of songs trying to be epic, strings, which set the tempo for these songs with these uh, set the tempo for the song with these driving eighth notes. All the vocals have these all the verses have these distorted vocals in the first half, later breaking into a more natural sound as we build into the chorus. Electronics provide, say it with me, that grand anthemic quality that makes it easy to slot into our pre-existing knowledge about Nightcore. Lyrically, this is a little bit of an odd song, kind of like Courtesy Call. Just like the other song with demons in the title, it is about inner demons. My demons, however, is more of a cry for help, to save the protagonist from the demons inside them. Demons by Imagine Dragons is more, oh, save yourself, I don't want to hurt you, I'm not good for you because these demons, they're going to hurt you. And I don't want that to happen. And my demons is more like, please help me before this consumes me. Overall, pretty simple stuff. Well, I did say this was odd. Well, uh, waltzing over to the good old Apple Music band page, I learned that Starset is a band that focuses very heavily on sci-fi in their lyrics. If you look at the album this is on, the album art, it's this kind of actually pretty cool image of this like astronaut spaceman thing so okay interesting i walk my way over to the genius page as any good music critic does to steal other people's interpretations of the songs and pretend like i figured it out myself reading the lyrics and annotations pretty simple inner demon stuff da -da 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 -da. scroll down to the bottom of the page there's a quote from the band that provides a different story however According to lead singer Dustin Bates, the song concept is, quote, downtrodden superhero protagonist gains power from the love interest. Okay. What? Reaching back through the lyrics, some of it I can kind of see. The whole, like, take me high and you'll sing kind of lyric kind of hung me up for a little bit. But it's kind of a stretch. So to be safe, inner demons... Yeah, is kind of what it is. Kind of disappointing, because superheroes are way more unique. Uh, but overall, I think the song is alright. I really like the string opening the electronic uh, line, the little riff that breaks in on the bridge, is incredible. But overall, this song, like many other, just catchy and cinematic and fun. Overall, I think My Demons comes up short in similar ways to its peer. Well, definitely a song I loved at the time and even now occasionally go back to for that nice nostalgia hit. Uh, with the critic hat on, however, it leaves a lot to be desired. 
and the idea that we could have gotten like this superhero epic that we didn't is also kind of disappointing. Uh, our final song we've got here is Chloe Adams, Pretty on the Inside. Chloe Adams, Pretty on the Inside uh, is another different type of anthem. This is the newest song to be on the list thus far and was released far after my phasing out of Nightcore. This video is like two years old, which most of these other ones are like five to eight years old. In fact, the YouTube searches for the songs mostly lead to Nightcore and AMVs. This song seems to be not really well known outside this context. Googling online, there's basically no information about Chloe Adams personally as an artist. She was on the rise on YouTube doing covers, and like many other YouTubers, eventually started dropping her own songs. Pretty on the Inside seems to be a pretty big single for her, but it is still only so big that it is self-contained within the fan, her fandom and kind of nightcore and this kind of whole culture surrounding that. Musically, in my opinion, to be born, this song is incredibly boring. The title says it all. Uh, the insecurities of constantly seeing pretty women and how that makes young girls feel ashamed of their own body. And that is an extremely important, important message, but it's an extremely common sub song topic. And everyone has seen this done a thousand times before and way better. All of these lyrics are so surface level, there's not really anything deep here, that there's really nothing that this adds besides just being a vaguely relatable song about a situation that lots of other songs talk about. I'm a guy, so maybe I'm not as qualified to speak on this, but I think there are plenty of songs with similar topics that execute this theme in a way more nuanced, creative, and just interesting way. Every single lyric on here feels like what a focus group, what a bunch of people would think basic teenage girls would want to hear. The instrumentals are also so boring. It's like uh, that song Fight Song, but just with no punch, and punch is the main redeeming quality of that song. At least Imagine Dragons, you can use their bombacity to kind of put a shine over kind of their leady, uh, their lyrical mediocrity, but this just doesn't even have that. It's a basic, bare, sad pop song classics on the production end and instrumental end with nothing really to make it stand, stand out from the crazy amount of music we hear today. Chloe Adams is not a bad singer, but this song just really doesn't have much going for it, in my opinion. The Nightcore version, in my opinion, is worse because... Pitching of the vocals, I feel like, makes it even more awkward in the song. I like the vocals enough. They're totally fine on the original, but on the Nightcore, pitching that thing up makes it kind of more awkward. Honestly, I know, I feel like I've been kind of mean and maybe a little repetitive to this song, because honestly, I don't have a lot to say besides the fact it's just boring, and I'm sure, you know, Chloe Adams seems like a very talented individual, but this song does not do it for me. Uh, I can totally see teenage girls relating to this and loving this at first listen, and that's totally okay. Don't let me or anyone else stop you from loving what you want. But to me, however, this song is so forgettable. I listened to this and write, wrote this script yesterday, and I have pretty much completely forgot this song by this point. It left no impact on me. I just don't see why this is popular, even compared to other subpar anthemic songs that 
also have made this list. I just, I don't, I don't get why this one is here. It just, I just don't really see anything that's that special about this song. And that's it for our second dive into Nightcore, and I know I've said this a million times before, but I just want to make myself clear. I know, on especially the first and last songs, I was pretty harsh, and obviously I don't think any of these artists are, their fans are bad people, and I'm sure they're all very talented. Every artist is capable of making good music. Every artist is capable of making bad music, and if you enjoy these songs, that's okay. We all have different opinions, that's fine. Even if you find a meaning in a song that I said to be cookie-cutter and bland, that's cool. You're allowed to like that. And things I like, there are things that I like that I know are probably objectively pretty bad. So, with that out of the way for the 15th time, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, be sure, if you feel so inclined, to give a positive review and share it with your friends. Uh, recently, I planned out the rest of the year of reviews, including a mix of new and older reviews. Not everything is decided. Uh, there should, at the time of this podcast going up, should be a post on my Instagram uh, for the show about kind of the albums that I, the new releases I plan on covering for the rest of the year. We're going to be doing some Ice Nine Kills, some Iron Maiden, some Taylor Swift, and whatnot. Uh, I... So that should be very cool. Next week, however, we are throwing it to a new release and talking about one of the most highly anticipated pop or just records in general of the year, the sophomore effort of Billie Eilish, Happier Than Ever, an album I'm really excited to hear. I really like her debut, so I'm excited to see what Billie does on this next effort. But until we meet again to talk about that, I'll see you soon. Take care uh, and... This has been Neck of the Depths of Music Podcast. Thanks for listening.